Father, you are indeed good. And uh, how often we forget just how good you are. Lord, I pray that, that we as your people, God, would focus on you. So many times uh, we focus on the things that are around us that we think are good, things that are around us that we think are even great. But Lord, we, f- we fix our eyes on those things. We get so distracted by the fact that you are truly good. The things that, that supply us with life, the things that supply us with breath, God, it comes from you and from you alone. And God, I pray that we would just recognize how good you are. God, I pray that we would celebrate you. I know that, that so many times, Lord, we, we, we celebrate so many other things that we don't celebrate you. And today, I pray that we would just celebrate you, that our eyes would be fo- focused on Jesus and Jesus alone. And as we look at your word, I pray that we see that it is good. God, it gives us life, and may we focus on it today, and may you restore and renew, God, to strengthen us, to give us courage, to give us hope, to do all the things that you can do through your word. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit, I pray that he is here and he moves through your word. So, Lord Jesus, speak now. God, may your people hear in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been in the book of Acts talking about what the modern church is kind of missing, what we're doing wrong sometimes when it comes to the church and what we're supposed to be doing, how we miss the mark so many times. And, oh, my goodness, there's so many things I could say here. Uh, today, uh, we are going to talk about something. It's kind of a funny story, but kind of not a funny story. It's a book of Ananias and Sapphira, and you're like, that's not a funny story. Two people died in that story. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting the way that it happens, and it kind of it's interesting uh, what transpires there. So, there are things about it that, that kind of seem funny to me, and I'll, I'll, I'll point those out to you today. But uh, one thing that's funny to me is uh, questions that I don't really know how to answer. At Christmas time in particular, people, they say uh, nice things to you, and they try to just invoke conversation. So they'll say things like, are you ready for Christmas? I don't know how to respond to that. I really don't. I mean, I don't know. I, what am I supposed to? I think I know what they're trying to get at. Um, it's just a way for them to remind you, hey, that Christmas is coming and you're supposed to say something about Christmas. You know what I mean? Like I, and no, no offense to anybody that's ever said that to me because I know there's some people in here that have been like, are you ready? Oh, I've said that to him before. I've said, are you ready for Christmas? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, it's okay if you say that. I just don't know what to say in response to it. I go, well, it's coming on the 25th like every year. I, I think I'm, I'm pretty much, I know what it's going to be. I, I know when it's coming. So uh, yeah, I guess I am. I think what they mean, though, is like, have you bought off your Christmas presents? Have you decorated sufficiently? You know, is, is there anything that you need to check off your list before December 25th arrives so that you are indeed ready for Christmas to happen? Am I right? That's, that's kind of what people mean, right? I, um, isn't that very telling, though, about society and about the way we look at Christmas? Isn't that very telling about, you know, our perception of what Christmas is supposed to be all about? Like, I, I, you know, admit it, I'm going to tell you right now, a little, little uh, spoiler alert for you here is that, that uh, according to Scripture, uh, Jesus most likely wasn't born in the wintertime, okay? It's, it's very cold uh, and where he, was ra- where he was born and this time of year and shepherds would not have been abiding in the field. Just so you know, I mean, I hate to give you that. We do celebrate it on the 25th of December. That is not actually when Jesus was born. You can go and do all your research on that. Google it if you want to, but you will see that indeed more than likely Jesus was not born in December. But anyway, that's when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, okay? Everybody's like, well, maybe you need to do a message on that. Maybe I will. So anyway, at some point in the future,
sure I'll tell you uh, that Jesus was probably not born on the 25th of December, and we can talk about that later and why we celebrated then. But I will say that this, this is the case. This is the time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, okay? This is the time designated where we go, okay, we're celebrating the fact that God came to the earth as a man, and he lived and breathed and walked among us, and how cool is that? You know what I mean? Like, that is really, really cool that God came to us and spoke to us and lived amongst us and, like, raised up these guys that would go and, and spread his message to all of us. And that, that's an amazing thing, and we should be celebrating that. We should be celebrating it more than just one time a year, but we, this is a time when we, we designate that we really celebrate it, and people will ask the question, are you ready for Christmas? And I'm like, I'm always ready for Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm excited about the fact that God came to the earth as a man so he could make the sacrifice that I could never make. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm ready. But that's not really what they're talking about. They're really talking about gifts and presents and, and, and family coming over and have you cooked enough food and all this kind of stuff, right? That's what they mean by are you ready for Christmas? But it's very telling of our society what we've kind of made things out to be. And, 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 and this, this message today, it's, it's so funny that we're in the book of Acts and we're talking about Ananias and Sapphira and we talk about the fact that they kind of have a divided heart. And I believe at Christmas time, a lot of times we fall into the trap of having a divided heart. We fall into the trap of being focused on a million other things instead of being focused on Jesus. And I know that you've heard this this been said by many preachers over the years that, that we do. We don't make Jesus the reason for the season, that we, we're all about the other stuff. But I want you to know today that it matters. It really matters if you have a divided heart. And we're going to see some people in the early church, and they had a divided heart, and they were saying that they were following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, but they weren't. And the devastating consequences as a result of that? I want you to understand that, that, that what you're doing as a Christian, as a Christ follower, I want you to know that it matters. When you say that you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and when you say that you're doing what God has called you to do, and you make that proclamation and declaration before everybody that I am following God, and then you don't do it, what, a, what devastating consequences there are as a result of that. And especially in the early church, because I want you to know, in the early church, the word was getting out about Jesus. It was really spreading like wildfire, and people were coming to faith in Christ, like by the droves. There were just tons and tons of people coming to Christ through the church, which is the instrument at this point in time by which God is, is sharing this message. And that is the instrument by which God is sharing the message of Christ today is through the church. So I want you to know that, that in January when we sign those partnership letters to say, I want to partner with Simple Church. To be a partner with Simple Church uh, for the purposes of the gospel. So that we can go together hand in hand out into this world and make Jesus' known. Jesus' name known among the nations. When you make that commitment, I want you to know that you're not just signing a piece of paper. That you're not just saying, yes, that I, I, I'm on board with Simple Church and I'll come uh, every once in a while on a Sunday and, and sing and worship songs and all that kind of stuff. It is so much more than that. It is so much more than that. You are making a public declaration that I am on board with, with the, the approach towards sharing the gospel with these believers. I am on board with that. And what I'm doing matters. That I am committed to not doing it with a divided heart. Now, admittedly, one of the things that happens to be a distraction, and one of the things that has a temptation for me to have my heart divided at Christmas time is money, right? Does anybody else run short on funds at Christmas time? Yeah. <laughs> Some of y'all raising your hands like, yeah, amen to that, you know. Uh, 
you know, <laughs> praise the Lord for income tax returns, right? Uh, you're like, I'm just waiting to file, man. Can I file in December? You know what I mean? Like, so that I can get that income tax return to pay off the credit card bills. And admittedly, finances ha- have a-, a tendency to be a strain on us during Christmas time because you're swiping that credit card and you know, and you know, you're like, is, is it going to hit the limit? You know what I mean? Is it, is it going to be declined this time? Is it going to go through this time? You know, what's going to happen? I don't really know, you know. And finances do. They have a tendency to put a strain on us. And they have a tendency to divide our hearts, especially at this time of the year when we're supposed to be celebrating Christ. We're supposed to be celebrating Christ and yet we're focused on other things and like, like how much we spend and how much we spend on this person versus how much we spend on that person. And, and the money tends to kind of get our focus as opposed to Christ being the focus. And we're going to talk today about, about some folks that were focused on money. Um, and really, well, let's dig into it and you'll kind of see what I'm saying. I want you to understand at this point in time, I'm going to back up for just a second, the end of uh, Acts chapter 4. We'll be in Acts chapter 5 today. But the end of Acts chapter 4, it says, All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. And that is where we are. So, so the, the believers are, are united with one heart. They've got one mission, one goal, and that is, man... Let, it, let us reach the people that are hurting and, and in need and, and those believers that are struggling. Let, let us help them the way that we can. We've got money, so let's share it amongst each other so that we can go out into this world as a united front with one heart going forward for the kingdom of God. And they did that. And people came to the knowledge of Christ because what they did mattered. People saw that these people were different. You know, when you see, um, when you see people in the church giving to the church and, and you go... These people are making a commitment to, to follow Christ in such of a way that they're willing to give a portion of their finances because it's important to them. It's important to be able to give to the church and be a part of the kingdom building and growth of God's kingdom through our finances. And, and I want to be a part of that. And that looks very different from the world, doesn't it? Because most everybody in the world goes, dude, that's mine. I earned it. I made it. It is mine. I'm keeping it. Don't touch it. I'm going to put it in a savings account, a 401k. I'm doing something with it, but that is my money. I made that money. I earned it. It is my money. And then you see believers, and this is their mentality. I have nothing. I own nothing. Anything that I have gotten, it's it's because God has given it to me because he is gracious and every good gift comes from my Father who is in heaven. And, 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 And you see believers having that mentality, so they have no issues with giving towards the kingdom or giving towards charities or or giving towards the church. They have no issue with with pulling their money together because they say, It wasn't my money to begin with. It wasn't mine to begin with. And you think about how radically different this was in their day and time, and like like they're just saying. You know what? We, we, got, we got to pay towards the maintaining of the roads and keeping of our country and the military and all this kind of stuff going. But we want to give our money, to, we want to pull our money together as Christians so that we can give to those who have needs and those that are struggling and we can glorify God through our giving. And this was like crazy talk, you know? And, and, and here, so these believers, I mean, you can tell that, I mean, they talk about this in the book of Acts over and over again. So obviously this was a new idea, a new concept of people going and selling everything they had so they can give to the church, so they can give to the other believers. And then we run into Ananias and Sapphira, bless their hearts. Chapter 5, it says this of uh, Acts, it says, uh, but there was a certain man, <laughs> a certain man, okay, named Ananias. Who, with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. So you got two people. 
uh, they got some property, they sold it. Uh, nothing wrong with that, right? And they don't know if they were in the real estate business, if you know, they, uh, they were uh, part of ERA. I'm not sure what they were doing. But they, anyway, so they had some land, and they sold it. They sold some property. But listen to the, this is where it gets sticky here a little bit for him. So he, he, he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So this is what he did. He went out and sold all the land and wanted it to make it appear like he is a very godly man, right? I sold all this land and I got $50,000 for it and I'm giving it to the church and man, look at me. You know, I mean, like he's like, whoo, me and my wife, we are dedicated to this gospel thing. We are in with this whole Jesus message. We've taken all of our land and we sold it and now we're going to give that money to the church. But we're going to keep a little on the side. Uh, they, they sold it and they got, they got remember they got $50,000 for their land. You know, I know that's today's money, but give me a break. All right. So, um, so maybe, maybe they made $50,000 and then they took, maybe they just took like $40,000, gave that to the church. You're like, well, that's a great thing. I mean, they're giving money to the church, right? That's, that's an amazing thing that somebody would take their possession, sell it, and then give a portion of it to the church. That's a great thing. But the problem is, the problem is this. Because they kept part of it for themselves, it shows the division in their heart. That they, they, they said that they were all in. They said that they were completely committed to this gospel message. But in reality, they weren't really. Now, am I telling you that you're supposed to go make money and you're supposed to give every single thing to the church? You're not supposed to, I mean, you're supposed to go live on the streets and, and you, know, you only eat what food people give you. Am I telling you that? I'll, you know what my answer to that is? Maybe. I don't know. It depends on what the Holy Spirit has told you to do. It depends on what God has, has put on your heart that you're supposed to do. If you say that you're fully committed to what God has called you to do, but then you don't behave like it, then you have a divided heart. I want you to know that. Okay? Did you hear what I'm saying? Like, if you say that you're all in and I'm, I'm completely devoted to following the Holy Spirit of God, but then you don't then you've got a divided heart. Now, this, this kind of strains people when I start talking about money, right? Like they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, how am I supposed to give to the church? How am I supposed to give to charities? Listen to you. I'm, I'm not telling you that, that every single thing that you need to, to give needs to go to this church, okay? I want you to know that. All right, you, you hear me? If God has called you to give, if the Holy Spirit is impressed upon your heart that you're supposed to give, then you should ask him, where am I supposed to give that? I believe that there is a precedent that you're supposed to give to the church. I believe that that is true, that you, we're supposed to believe that this is a unified body of Christ and we have got leadership that are in place that God has put in place so that money can be spent in the right places, okay? But I will tell you this. If at Christmas time and you're watching the St. Jude's commercial on TV and the Holy Spirit of God says you're supposed to give to them, then you should give to them. If the Holy Spirit of God impresses upon your, your heart that you're supposed to go and work at the Jimmy Hale mission in Birmingham and you go and work there and God says you're supposed to give towards this mission body, this is what you're supposed to do right now, then you better give to them. You see, this whole thing about being tuned into the Holy Spirit, I'm so obsessed with it, okay? And I will spend my whole life telling you guys about it, all right? I will spend the rest of my life telling you about how you need to be tuned into the Holy Spirit of God and you need to be following the Holy Spirit as He leads you. 
Even if that means to the detriment of this church because we run out of money, I will say before God, I will say, well, these people, they gave as you have instructed. And maybe they gave it to a group in Haiti and they said that they weren't supposed to give it to our church. Then so be it. God, that was your plan according to your Holy Spirit. And I'm okay with that. But I'm telling you, we're not supposed to have a divided heart. We're not supposed to say, you know what? God has told me to go do this and we'll do it and I'm going to keep a little bit for myself then that means you're not all in. That means you're not all in. You're not completely sold out to the idea of following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that is devastating to the church. That is a devastating thing to the church when you say that you're all in, but you're not. Now, I want you to know something. This, is, this, this applies to when you sign that piece of paper in January. It says, I want to be a, a partner with Simple Church. I, I want to I go hand in hand with this belie- group of believers for the gospel of the kingdom. And you sign that piece of paper. I want you to understand you do not need to be lying to God when you sign that paper. There are certain things that we ask you to read through, and this is what you're committing to, to being faithful in your attendance to church, being faithful in your giving, being, being committed to being part of a small group. If you are not faithful in that, I do not want you to sign that paper. I would rather have three pieces of paper up here than 300 that didn't mean anything. I really believe that we have taken commitment so lightly that we're willing to sign our names to anything and go, well, it's just a piece of paper. What does it really matter? And this is an indication of your heart. This is an indication of your commitment level. If you say, yeah, I'll sign a piece of paper, well, what does it really mean? I remember a joke a comedian told one time. It's pretty funny. It reminds me of this. Uh, there was a, a guy that came to repossess a man's car, right? So he hadn't paid his bills, and, and the guy came to repossess his car, and, uh, and he was like, you know, hey, man, what are you doing? Why are you taking my car? He's like, well, you hadn't made a car payment in six months, so I'm coming to get your car. He said, man, you can't take my car. I got no way to work. I got kids. I got to take them to school. If you take, take my car, I got no way to get all that done. He says, well, you know, you, you you can pay me, you can catch up on your payments right now, and I'll take that money back to the bank, and then I won't have to take your car. And the guy's like, well, how much do I owe? He says, looks like you owe about $3,000 in, in back payments so that you catch up with your car payments so I don't have to take it. And the guy goes, $3,000? Dude, you think I got $3,000 here at the house? You think, you think that, that I got some money stashed away in my refrigerator and I got $3,000 on hand? And the guy that came to repossess his car goes, well, can't you write me a check? He said, a check? Oh, yeah, I can write you a check. I thought you wanted money. I can write you a check. Matter of fact, why don't I pay the whole thing off right now? I'll write you a check. But that's kind of the way we do things, isn't it? Oh, I'm just signing my name. You know, it's got no consequences necessarily. I'm just saying yes. Well, here we see what happens to some folks that... uh, They say one thing, but their actions reflect something else. Because Peter, this is a man led by the Holy Spirit, so in tune with the Holy Spirit that we find out later on that people are dragging folks out into the street that are in need of healing and just hoping that Peter's shadow will will cast over them and they'll be healed. This is a man who's in tune with the Holy Spirit, right? And it's really hard to lie to somebody that's in tune with the Holy Spirit. Um, I I know that that my 20-somethings like to like to call me out on this all the time. It's pretty funny. You'll hear him say this quite a bit. Like, um, 
that they'll be sitting there quietly and they know that God's calling them to say something, that they're supposed to say something in response to what God's laid something on their heart, and they're sitting there quietly because they really don't want to speak up because they get all freaked out about speaking in front of a group of more than about three people. So they'll sit there quietly and I'll go, hey, so-and-so, what do you think about this? Hey, so-and-so, have you ever experienced this? You know, there's a look on your face that says that God is calling you to say something, but you're just afraid to. You want to talk now, or do we all just need to stare at you? And, they, and it freaks them out, you know what I mean? Because the whole time I'm, I'm talking to my 20-somethings group, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit of God. I'm, I'm, I'm tuned in, I'm like, somebody's got something on their heart, and God, just show me who that is, because I'll call them out. i got no, no fear of doing that. Now, this will cause your group to shrink dramatically when you do that, you know what I mean? Because nobody likes to be called out like that. It freaks them out anyway. And then you ask them to speak in front of a group, and it freaks them out even more. But here we've got Peter, who is a man led by the Holy Spirit, and he's doing the same thing. He's about to call Ananias out. Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Uh Uh-oh. Now, notice this. Ananias had just done a good thing, right? Ananias had just taken a bunch of land, he'd sold it and gave a good portion of it to to the church, but now he's held a little bit back and he says, why has Satan, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart? That's because you can't have two masters. That's because you can't have two masters. Jesus says that you cannot have two masters, either love one or hate the other, or, or, or you'll serve one and despise the other. So you can't serve God and money. Matthew 6, 24. So when, when you have a divided heart, you have a heart where Satan is in control. You know that, that if Satan, the way he, he takes over your heart, the way he takes over your motives is that he just does a little piece at a time. Of that 50,000, you just hold 10 back for yourself. It's okay. Satan says that that's okay. But what's really going on is you're disobedient to the Holy Spirit. And Satan, he doesn't really like to, he doesn't really like to point that out so much. He says, oh man, but you're doing a great thing. You're, you're giving money. You're doing a great thing. You know that, that Satan's whole M.O. is to divide and conquer. He didn't want to take over your whole heart at one time. Yes, he is seeking to, to devour you and destroy you, but he doesn't do that all in one bite. He does that bit by bit and destroys you step by step, breath by breath. And if he can make you slip up in one area just right here and say, man, I in the in the process of doing a great thing for the kingdom of God, I'm just going to hold a little bit back for myself. Then Peter says, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Why have you let Satan take over your heart? Because when you don't follow God, you're just following the prince of darkness. You're just following the one that basically wants to destroy you ultimately. And now you're allowing him in, is what Peter's saying here. You're allowing Satan to come in. He says, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money to yourself. It's hard to lie to a man who's led by the Holy Spirit of God, isn't it? The property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wished. After selling it, the money was also yours to give away. You could do, how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. What? Man, I thought I was doing a good thing by giving a portion of it. To God, to his kingdom, to his church. Well, the problem is that's not what God had called him to do. He had committed one thing, one thing with his lips, that this is what I'm going to do, but he didn't follow through with that completely. 
He said, no, I'm just going to do it halfway. You cannot be a halfway follower of Jesus Christ. You can't just follow him halfway and say, well, I, I came to church and I gave him one-seventh of my week. I came to church for an hour on Sunday. Therefore, I am a Christ follower. It does not work that way. I would love to encourage you and say, man, you have done a great thing for the kingdom of God by being here on Sunday. But what I would rather say is you have done a great thing for the kingdom of God by, by, by being a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's what I would rather say. That's what I would rather say. And obviously what we do, it matters. It matters. And here Peter's calling him out and says, you didn't lie to us. He said, he said, you could do whatever you wanted to with that money. The, the land was yours to sell. You didn't have to sell it. But you made a commitment to God that you were. And then the money, it was yours to either give it away or not. It's up to you. But instead of, uh, of giving what God had called you to give, you'd rather deceive. And you'd rather make it look one way. In reality, something else is going on in your heart. I know that's hard to hear. It's hard for me to read it. It's hard for me to study it and, and listen to God preach it to me before I have to preach it to you. Because I know that there are times in my life where I have a divided heart. And I'm not fully committed to, to following the kingdom. And I'm not fully committed to sharing this gospel message that I have this divided heart. And it may look one way on the outside, but on the inside I know that I'm not fully committed. In the early church, it had devastating consequences. Because you think about this message that was going out. And here... You know, somebody, what, what if it gets out that, that he, he and, and Sapphira had kept some of the money for themselves? How devastating would that be to the church? Because these were people that were going against the grain, saying we're going to pool all of our money together, and it's all going to go for the kingdom of God. But there's these couple that they say they're a Christ follower, but they didn't really do that. They kind of held a little bit back for themselves. Maybe they needed a new Volvo or something, so they, went, they, they held it back for themselves, and then, and then only... A portion of it went towards the kingdom. I thought these were men and women that are supposed to be fully committed to following what God has told them to do. And here you got these people that are, ah, they're kind of sort of in. And God desires us to be fully committed. How many people do you know that are fully committed to following Jesus? Fully committed to following Jesus. Or maybe they're serving with a divided heart. You know... You, 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 can, you can pretend all day long and you can act one way all day long and you can come in here all day long and you can hug people's necks and, and portray one thing, but man, when it comes to being in front of God, we're not going to be able to hide that divided heart. We're not going to be kind of sort of followers of Jesus Christ. God's going to know your heart. He's going to look at your heart and judge your heart. And say, did I know you or did I not know you? And you're going to stand face to face with him. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that because it's real and it should scare you. And God's going to look at us, every single one of us, and look and examine our hearts and say, do we have a, a fully committed heart to him or is it divided in some way? Now, there are going to be things that come against you and try to distract you, right? There are going to be things. But when it comes to following that leadership of the Holy Spirit, when God tells you to do something, I want to encourage you to go all in. You, we want the Holy Spirit all in on us when we're struggling and we're hurting and we need a comforter. We don't want the Holy Spirit to go, eh, I'm going to give you a little bit. No, we want all of the Holy Spirit's comfort to come our way, don't we? 
when somebody's just died or, or whatever the case may be, when you've got a broken relationship or, or somebody that's really, really sick, we don't want just part of the Holy Spirit. We want all of the Holy Spirit. We want all the comfort that he can bring to come into our hearts, right? Shouldn't our response to him be the same way? Shouldn't we be so committed to following the Holy Spirit that we do whatever he says, whatever he leads, on our, leads us to do, whatever he puts on our hearts? And Peter said, you didn't lie to us, you lied to God. Verse 5, it says, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Now, you would think that this is not the best way to grow a church. You would think that this is contrary to encouraging other people to give, right? (laughs) That's tough, man. This dude gave a good bit of money to the church and he died. See, this is where I struggle, okay? This, this, admittedly, this is my thing. And, and we're reading this, this book, Not a Fan, in, uh, in our small groups. And I, if you're not part of our small groups, I encourage you to be part of a small group. We've got the books, Not a Fan, out there on the table, available for $5. We just got some more in. So I, I want to encourage you to be part of that. Because what we're studying in there, what we're seeing, is the difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. And what I believe that the early church really, really had to have is they had to be fully committed. And I believe that God would rather have a handful of fully committed people than he had to have a bunch of people that were only halfway committed. And God is constantly, constantly showing us that through Scripture. The separating of the wheat from the tares. The people that appear to be fully in, but they're not really. Constantly showing us over and over again, the thing that Jesus preached about most was the difference from, between those that, that appeared to be in the kingdom and those that are really in the kingdom. And that was the message that he kind of brought to everybody over and over again. Is you need to know that there's a difference. That there's a difference in those that are completely following me and those that are only halfway following me. And he did that through his miracles and the things that he taught. So some of you are here because you just want to see a good show. Some of you are here but just because you want to be fed. You're not here because you're really following me. You're caring about what I say and the message that I'm bringing to you. You just want to see another parlor trick. You just want to see somebody do another magic trick to impress you. You're not really committed to me. You're only committed to what I can do. And over and over again, Jesus preaches this message. And here I believe that that what God is showing us is that he would rather have a handful of people that are really committed to, to giving to the church. And he had to have a bunch of people that are only halfway committed. And you think about the kind of division that comes about when you hear about somebody that, that gave halfway and then, and then they died. When that message gets out, when people start hearing about that, you know who's going to come to church and give? The only, only the people that are completely committed to giving. That's the only people that are going to come anymore. The rest of them will say, hey, you know this whole Jesus thing? I don't know if I'm all about that. Because if you don't do it the right way, you're out completely. And here, here, Ananias, he died that very moment. As soon as Peter called him out and said, you didn't lie to us, but you lied to God. And boom, he was gone. Collapsed right there on the floor. Now, you're like, man, you're just making this up to, to scare us. No, I'm not making it up. It's right there. You can read it for yourself. And it ain't no joke, and what we do matters. And whether we're fully committed or not, it really matters. A lot of people wearing 
Christian t-shirts that are only halfway committed. They're only as committed as that t-shirt. On the, it's the skin deep, you know? And, and you say, Christian t-shirt. Everybody thinks that, you know, I'm talking about, you know, all these crazy kind of stuff that you, you get and you wear. But I'm talking about the D-Now t-shirts that some of our students will wear. Coming up in February, we'll have D-Now. And some of them will put on those t-shirts where they claim to be a Christian, a Christ follower. But it's only skin deep. It's only on the outside of that t-shirt. That's as far as it goes. No penetration into the heart. Now, I want you to know, students, that's a big deal. When you put on that shirt, you say, I'm a Christ follower. I want you to know that it's a big deal whether you are or not. You're, You're proclaiming that, hey, I'm somebody that's fully committed to following Jesus. I'm fully committed to the discipleship process. Disciple now. I'm fully committed to being a disciple and one day making disciples. And when you wear that t-shirt, you're representing the kingdom of God. And it ain't just a t-shirt. It ain't just a cool t-shirt that a bunch of your friends are wearing. It matters. It matters. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. The word got out, right? They were terrified. What if I'm not all into following the Holy Spirit? I don't know that I necessarily want to lie to God because I might die right there when they call me out about it. They were terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Not a whole lot, no, not a big funeral procession there, is it? Not a lot of anointing with oil and spices and a bunch of people wailing for a few days. No, they just took him out and stuck him in a hole. I mean, that's a tough way to go, isn't it? says in verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Now, obviously, things are way in the old church as they are today. The wife comes in about three hours after the guy. She must have been getting ready, getting her hair did, something. I always thought that was funny. I think God put that in there for a reason. She came in about three hours late. She didn't know what had happened. And Peter asked her, says, uh, what was the price you and your husband received for your land? Uh, or was this the price you and your husband received for the land? So he's, he's got the books open. He's looking at the accounting sheet, what have you. He's got Microsoft Excel open. He's looking at He said, what is the price? Is this the price right here? Now, she has a choice right here. Regardless of what her husband did or not, she could fess up right here, and, and she, could, she could commit to the fact that, that, that hey, that's not really the price, and, and yeah, we made a mistake. I believe this is an invitation to repentance here. This is an opportunity for her to repent and say, you know what? The husband's the leader of the family. I kind of followed his lead on this. Now, he did consult with me, and he asked me about it because we read just a few verses ago that, that they did this in agreement, that they knew what they were doing, and, they, and she was okay with it. So here's an invitation to repentance for her, an invitation to repent and turn back and say, you know what, I'm going to be fully into following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. She's got an opportunity here to make things right. Will she take that opportunity? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, 
How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door. And they will carry you out too. Sounds like what you do in following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, it sounds like it matters. And Peter told her, he said, there's some guys and they're standing just outside the door. A few minutes ago, they carried out your husband because he was dead. Because he did not completely follow the Holy Spirit and he had a divided heart. And he lied just like you did. He said, what's going to happen is these, these young men are going to carry you out too. It's not going to end well for you. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who had heard what had happened. So you're like, man, Kenny, this is, a, this is not a happy story, you know? This, this, is, this is not a happy ending. This is not the kind of thing that you want to preach in order to encourage people to be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. I think what Jesus did a lot of times when he preached, he helped people see themselves for what they really were. The Holy Spirit of God would tear open their hearts and they have to examine their hearts for what's really in there. They'd be forced to, to look at themselves and go, what, what, am I, what am I really doing? Am I fully in? Am I halfway in? It probably doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. It's probably not a big deal if I just continue to pretend or, or not. It's, it's not a huge deal. I'll sign my name. I'll, I'll pretend to be a partner. I, I, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Well, the thing that Jesus kept trying to show people over and over again, it is the difference between life and death. It is the difference between eternal life and eternal separation from God. It is a life and death situation. And people just kind of flippantly look at the gospel and they say, ah, I'm kind of sort of in. You're either all in and ready to die for the gospel or you're not. You can't be just halfway in. You can't just say, I celebrate Christmas, but it be about everything else besides Christ. If he is not central in your life, then, man, you're, you're missing everything. You're missing the kingdom. When Christ calls people to devote themselves to him, he never, ever says, ah, you can kind of sort of do it. You can kind of sort of be in, and, and it'll be okay. No. Every time he preaches, every time he talks to people, he says, man, you'll either love me or you'll hate me. There is no in-between. You'll either be devoted to me or you'll despise me. There's no gray area. And I believe what the modern church is doing is allowing people to live in the gray area just so they can get their pews filled up and they can get a little extra money inside the church. That's what I believe is going on. And we have got to wake up to the fact that this is what's happening. We've got to wake up to the fact that most people in most churches on this Sunday are trying to live in that gray area between being fully committed and being eh, sort of, about Jesus. There's somewhere in the middle. Jesus says it doesn't work that way. 
You either be willing to die for me and your brothers for the cause of the gospel, or you're not one of mine. Or you're not one of mine. And you're like, well, that scares me, Kenny. It should scare you. Because it is the difference between life and death. And that's what we see here in Scripture. That's exactly what we see. We, we see a picture of physical death, but we also see the picture of eternal death. Because what did Peter say to him? Satan has filled your heart. You think somebody that has Satan has filled their heart and then dies the next moment? Where do you think they're going? You think they're going to the presence of the king going, here I am, look at me. Look at my heart, examine my heart and see what's in my heart. He's going to say, I know what's in your heart. Same thing Peter saw. Same thing Peter saw. I don't want you to come into this church Sunday after Sunday and me not tell you this. I don't want you to come in here and say, well, you get, get before the king and say, well, you know what? I had a chance to read and I didn't do that so much, but that's not the message that Kenny preached. Because i got to give an account for what I speak to all of you about. And I'm not going to tell you that it's okay to live in the gray area between yes and no. I'm going to tell you, you either love one or hate, or love one and hate the other, serve one, despise the other. There's no in-between. Now, here's the good news. Okay? There is a little bit of good news in there. And that is that these, these two people that had a choice, they had an opportunity, right? They had a chance to be able to, to, to repent and, and come to Christ and be fully committed or not. They had this opportunity there where they could say, you know what, we messed up. You know what, we didn't do it exactly right, we messed up, so now we're going to make it right. And they had that chance. You see, God always gives us a chance. He always gives us the opportunity to say, you know what, I messed up and now I want to make it right. But did they take advantage of that? Did they take advantage of the opportunity that God has given them? When Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? And, and, and he had the opportunity at that point in time to say, you know what, you're right. I messed up and I lied and I, I said that I was doing one thing for God, but I wasn't fully committed and I want to I repent and come to you now. And he had that chance. And he had that chance, but he didn't take that chance. And then his wife comes in some three hours later and Peter gives her the chance. She goes, you know what, is this really the price that you paid or did you lie to us and lie to God? She didn't take the chance. So yeah, that's it. That's how much we paid. I want you to know, you've had a divided heart towards God if you've not been fully committed in your following of Jesus Christ. You got a chance. You got a chance to make it right. You got a chance to come to Him and say, I screwed up. I screwed up in a big way. I'm sorry. And I want to be fully committed to you. I want to be fully committed to following the message you've called me to follow. I'm going to be fully committed to, to dying if it means that I have to be committed to this message in such a way that I have to die. you got a chance. Don't miss the chance. Don't be complacent living in that gray area between yes and no. Say, you know what? I messed up and I want to say yes and I want to say yes completely. If that's you today, if that's you today and you messed up and you got that divided heart, you got a chance. Don't miss a chance. Because it's the difference between life and death.
And I'm not just talking about life here on this earth because that is this much compared to all of eternity. I'm talking about eternal death and eternal separation from God. It matters. It matters. Let me pray. Father, Lord, I know this word is hard to hear. It's hard for me to hear. God, but you, you tell us these hard things because, God, you want us to come to repentance and you want us to come to you. You so desire a relationship with us and for us to be fully committed to you that you'll do whatever it takes to bring us to that place. So, Lord, I praise your name for breaking our hearts with your word. God, uh, been so many times in my life where I've messed up and I've had a divided heart. But I thank you for the fact that you're there for restoration. You're there for renewal. God, and you're there to open up my heart and show me what's really in there. So, God, I pray for the people here. Lord, I pray that they would not have divided hearts, but they would be fully committed to you. And what they say in their hearts, God, is what they mean. And they would be fully committed to following your Holy Spirit as he leads. So, Lord, right now, they'll have a choice. As the Holy Spirit works on their hearts right now, as he speaks to them, they'll have a choice. as whether they say yes or they say no. There will not be any in-between. They'll either say yes to your Holy Spirit or no right now. And I pray, God, I pray that they would say yes. God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you and they've never said yes to you and they've never pretended to say yes to you, God, I pray that they would come to this altar and they would pray and cry out to you and they would say yes to you today because it's the difference between life and death. I want to just work on people's hearts, reveal your truth to them. And I pray that somebody, somebody today would be changed by this truth. In Jesus' name, amen.